Kids. Kids. Teachers, if you would go. Have a wonderful time. I didn't realize when these chairs were here that there's not enough space for me <laughs> with the chairs. You're wondering what these are for. It was actually not for the elders to sit up here and look at you, but for me to lie down on and when I'm preaching. No. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful to uh, experience the presence of God. Uh, and the children are going to do that in their class as well. So kids, if you would go, have a great time with those teachers. It's really good to see you this morning. It's uh, constantly a thrill for me that we can get together. And I never get tired of just appreciating that fact. There's so many places in the world that that still can't happen. And uh, don't ever, let's not ever take for granted. There's something about the presence of God in you, but there's something that happens when we come together with the presence of God and it's manifest, his presence is manifest among us as we glorify him. Last week, uh, Mary and I were, had the privilege of being at a conference in Sydney. I think the Holy Spirit kind of tricked me into being there and that I was asked to come and minister and I think that I'm actually giving out, but it was actually for me. Uh, there was something that happened in me that's very tough for me to communicate. Not that it's hard to talk about, but it's just, I tend to be very logical, sequential. And what happened was like something exploded inside me. And it wasn't nice, logical, and sequential. It was kind of all over the place. Kind of like a, a firework, you know, those, those fireworks you have on... New Year's Eve, and they go up and they explode, and then all these lights, all these stringers go out, and then those explode. And when God was doing something, it kind of exploded, and then, but, but this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and so the challenge for me is to try and uh, make sense of all that and share with you in bite-sized pieces, because we were there for... Uh, three and a half days, and it was nine in the morning until 9.30 at night. And so if I tried to communicate everything that God did in me in one setting, we'd be here until Wednesday. So I won't do that. But what really happened was that I just felt something of an enlarging in the spirit. Now when I say it, it doesn't express what actually happened, but God made me realize that I had become smaller. Now, whether it's just tiredness or COVID or lack of input because nobody's able to travel, we're not connecting with other teams, not seeing a bigger picture, I had actually become smaller. And as we gathered together, there was just something of a expanding and enlarging, which is interesting that that was part of what Michelle shared earlier. And so I want to communicate that a little bit over the next few weeks with what I was experiencing, what I believe God's doing, but also with some understanding from the scripture as well. So 
having said that, that's a big challenge, so we need to pray. Because I'm not up to that challenge without the Holy Spirit. So we say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're the one who leads us in truth. You're the one who uh, does your work in us. You're the one who we look to to empower us and help us glorify Jesus. Would you give me the ability to communicate what's in my heart and to align with what you want to do in us today? Amen. Ephesians chapter 7, chapter 4, verse 7. Some of you went, there's no seven chapters in Ephesians. At this conference, I was preaching one day, and I got up, and everyone was preaching from Ephesians 4. And I said, turn to Ephesians 6. And my wife said, no, you mean Ephesians 4? Thinking that I had just said what I just did, said the wrong thing. I said, no, I actually meant Ephesians 6. And then she told me afterwards, she had this brain freeze that went, there aren't six chapters in Ephesians. But there are. There aren't seven, (laughs) but there are six. Chapter 4, verse 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, or as Christ gives. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. A couple things I just want to talk about there is that when it says Christ's gift, Many of us have this wrong image in our mind and we think that Christ is Jesus' last name. He's Jesus Christ. Like I'm Russ Doty. But Jesus didn't have a last name. Christ literally means, it's the, the Greek word for anointed, Messiah. He's Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one. And we've kind of thrown the the out and we put it together and we talk about it as if it's, it's his name. So when he's talking about giving gifts, the gifts that Christ gave, it has something to do with his anointing. It means anointed. Anointed with what? Luke chapter 4. And verse, uh, starting from... Verse 18 from from Luke, sorry, I've had it here. There it is. He says, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting from Isaiah 60. Because he has anointed me to preach, to heal, all this thing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He was anointed with what? He was anointed with the spirit. He was anointed with the spirit to bring the kingdom, the, the dominion, the rulership of God. He was supernaturally anointed with the Spirit. So when we talk about Jesus the Christ, we're talking about the anointed one. And then it's in this context of he ascended. Let me just throw a couple of scriptures at you. And uh, I just want to help you to grasp the context before I make some points. Uh, Luke 24. 
Uh, verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Acts chapter 1. Verse, uh, verse 2 is in chapter 1. It says in... Jesus, he, it was talking about uh, the things that he began to do and teach after his resurrection until the day in which he was taken up after he had given commands to the apostles who had chosen. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And so there's something about that. You see it again in Mark. Just want you to understand, that's the context when it says he ascended. It's not just that he's higher than everyone else. He's actually literally talking about having been raised from the dead. He met with the disciples, and then he was ascended to heaven. And in that context, he gave gifts. The Father gave a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive the promise of the Father. Jesus gave gifts. The gifts he gave were five expressions of himself. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why is that? I want you to get this. We're talking about the anointed one who's ascending to heaven, no longer needs the anointing to bring the kingdom. So he's passing it on to us. Think about that for a second. We're going to come back to that, but, but let me say this. Seems like the five-fold expressions, the, the five expressions of himself, I'm using that term intentionally because we carry a whole lot of baggage when we start talking about these gifts. But it seems like these five-fold expressions together represent Jesus. Why do I say that? Because he gives these gifts for the equipping of the saints, and then it says in verse 13, till we come to the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Think about that for a second. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we're being conformed into his image. So what I think this is saying is that his plan is that he's wanting to make five-fold Christians. Not prophetic Christians, or evangelistic Christians, or pastoral Christians, but Christians that represent Jesus that have all those things. Now, it's easier to understand that if we don't talk about the gift, but we talk about the fruit. Matthew says you'll know them by their fruit. Talking about prophets. What's the fruit? So the fruit of the apostolic is the supremacy of Christ. 
being focused on Jesus, the king and his kingdom. He's the head. He's the, the bride of the bridegroom. He's the one we worship. Tim pointed that out incredibly well last week. So the fruit of that is that our focus is on him and exalting him and glorifying him. What's the fruit of the prophetic? It's not just that we prophesy, but it's intimacy with God. It's hearing his voice. It's speaking what comes from him. It's not just making something up and declaring it. It comes from that intimacy. But Jesus said in Mark 5.19, I mean John 5.19, I only do what I see the Father doing. John 8.28, he says, this teaching is mine. It's what the Father has spoken to me. So Jesus himself is saying, I need intimacy with God. I need to hear what he's saying. What's the fruit of the teacher? It's a love for truth. It's a love for the word. The entirety of your word is truth. Jesus said, uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we're going to love Jesus, we have to love truth. John uh, 18, 37, he said, uh, Pilate asked him, and he says, uh, rightly you say that I am a king, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Whoever is of the truth, hears my voice. Teaching and prophet together. Truth and hearing God. What's the fruit of the pastoral, the, the pastor, the, the shepherd? It's love for, for one another, love for the body. John 10, 11 and 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd throughout the, the New Testament. So there's something, if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have that. We're going to have a love for people. We're going to see something in people. It's not just a matter of how do we use that. What's the, the fruit of the evangelist? Is the love for the lost. Seeing something bigger. Again, Luke 19.10, Jesus says, for this purpose I've come, to seek and to save the lost. Did he come to bear witness to the truth or did he come to seek and to save the lost? Did he come to destroy the works of the, the evil one? What was his purpose? It was all those because they all come together. Okay, I'm making this point because I want you to see this. Here's, here's where the chairs come in, okay? We tend to take the fivefold and we separate it. And we begin to try and look at it as individual things. but we need to see it like this. The five together represents Jesus, reflects Jesus, not separating it. Someone said last week, and it hit me, he said, uh, when you do biology in high school, at least I did, you dissect a frog. So the problem with dissecting, is a, with a, a dissecting a frog 
is that the frog ends up dead. <laughs> we dissect the fivefold, and we try to define who's this and who's that and what is this, and we lose the bigger picture that it's to reflect Jesus. Yeah. It's to get our focus on Jesus. So his desire is that it's together, not separate. So, conclusion of all this is this. The fivefold expression of Jesus, the gifts that he gave, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we become the anointing for the world. He didn't need the anointing in heaven. He gives it to us to represent him and his kingdom, to see his kingdom advanced, to see his dominion released, to see that the plans of the enemy overthrown, to see something come in. And it's the two together. We need all of these, and we need the Holy Spirit. Are you still with me? Needless to say, this last week something happened, and I began to see, hey, Jesus is so much bigger. His plan, his wisdom is so much greater. We try and define it into little things. If you uh, look in Acts 13, it says in the first couple of verses that there were in Antioch teachers and prophets. And it names who they are. And in that group is Paul and Barnabas. It doesn't say there's teachers and prophets and evangelists and apostles. It says there's teachers and prophets. And into that, the Holy Spirit says, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I've called them. So they fasted, they laid hands on them, and they sent them. The very next chapter, Acts 14, verse 14, says the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, They weren't apostles until they were sent. Yet later in that same chapter, about verse 20, it says what they did, and they went and they preached the gospel. They declared the good news, and many got saved. They were functioning as evangelists. And later on, they're ordaining elders in the church to shepherd the flock of God. So where the apostles or prophets or Teachers or evangelists or pastors, yes. They were Jesus in the world. Too often we got our focus on us. What's my ministry? What's my gift? I think, just to, to here's my legal disclaimer. I think that most of us have a lean or a resonance with some of those things. There are those who resonate more with the whole, uh, the prophetic side of it, the, the intimacy with God and hearing his voice. There are some who resonate more with the evangelist and the lost. Did you kind of get, get that picture from Richard? All this whole train, what's, what's his resonance? There's still the door open for those who don't, don't know. Wonderful. 
But we can't let our resonance, the thing that we tend to respond to, become our whole focus and miss out on becoming like Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't need, we don't, he doesn't need us representing us in the world. He doesn't need the best you. Ooh. Did I actually say that? He wants us to be like him. So having said all that, I believe that three areas of application for us. I hope this is making sense because I'm trying to take all this stuff that happened in me and understand it a little bit and then cut it up into smaller pieces so that you can begin to, to get a hold of it as well. But one of the things I felt like God said that he did in me but I felt that he wanted to do today is that he wants to do something of enlargement in us. Breaking off smallness, which was part of that word as well. I believe he wants to break off smallness. And I had three pictures. One was, many of you have heard this illustration of the chain they put on the, uh, the leg of baby elephants. They stake it to the ground and the elephant can't go very far and it gets used to that. So when it becomes a full-grown elephant, it never goes beyond the, the first pull of the chain. It's got power to rip the, the whole thing. They don't even stake it very far in the ground. As long as it makes a little bit of pull, the elephant stops because they've been trained. I felt that God was wanting to set people free from some of the chains of your past experience. You're still... You're free from that, but it still has a pull. And you're not going beyond. I felt as well, there's some who end up feeling like they're in cages or cells that you've just been limited. And God wants to set you free. But there's also those who feel like they get put in boxes. Either you've put yourself in boxes or you've allowed other people to put you in boxes. I had to repent because I've done that with some of our leaders. I was talking with some this week and realized that I'm the one who, who has put people in boxes. So I want everyone to be set free. But Mary felt as well earlier today something God said about reluctant leaders. And I think there's just, guys, there's enlargement. Dream again. Okay, not your dream, his dream. Allow his dream to come through you once again. Allow that, the intimacy of the spirit to be released once again. I'm gonna ask you if you just uh, bow your head for a second. We've got a couple of these uh, applications we're gonna go through, but I just wanna take a moment. I'm not trying to convince you of something because I believe that if this is the Holy Spirit, then there's something of a resonance of the Spirit in you already. If you feel like you've become small, 
If you feel like you've become shrunk a little bit and the Holy Spirit's speaking something to you, I believe he wants to set you free this morning. And I'm going to ask you just to respond to him by just standing where you are if that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. If there's something of enlargement he's wanting to do and you realize, I'm going to ask you just to stand up. I'm not going to call you forward because we're not, we won't have time for all that, but I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. Whatever the cause of smallness, he wants to set you free. Just like he did with me this last week. It's a work of the Spirit. It's not something that we can generate on our own. It's not if you will work harder or be more diligent or try something more. It's just simply something of the anointing of the presence of God that he brings a enlargement. It surprised me when we were at this conference on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it was. It surprised me when God said, you've grown small. And that he wanted to enlarge me. Lord, we just thank you. That you do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. That right now, you're breaking off the smallness. Whatever has caused that isn't important to you. It's the fact that we've become small and you want to enlarge. And so there's an enlargement taking place. Enlargement taking place. Lord, we don't know what all that means. We don't know where, what that will lead to in the future. And sometimes you don't even show us. You just expect us to, to obey the next thing you say. But Lord, we want to say that we don't want to put you in a box. And we don't want to be put in a box. And so we just receive right now your enlargement in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. We're going to uh, share communion. And so I'm going to ask the, uh, those who are going to do the communion, pass it out if they'd come quickly. And I'm going to ask you if you would do this. Come to the front and grab the, uh, the communion elements and take them back to your, your seat and then hold on to them. Okay, do that right now. Just, just move quickly. And I'll tell you why afterwards. Uh, gluten-free is on this side. My right, your left. So if you need gluten-free, go over there, please. Uh, just see how quickly you can, uh, can do that. If you're in the aisle, stand to one side of the aisle so that people going back up the aisle can get by. If it's possible for you to listen to me while you're doing that, it will save, save me some time here. And that is this. I think uh, there's something about communion that we fix our eyes on Jesus. We see Jesus. We see a bigger vision of him and his ability to invade every part of the world. 
And as we take it, we take communion with different emphasis. Sometimes we take it and the emphasis is, is on the covenant and his love for us. And sometimes it's on different aspect, the price that he's, he's paid. Today I want it to be part of just an expanding that we, he actually is greater and his ability to use us is greater. When you get that, we're just going to uh, sing the first part of King Jesus again. But just before we do, let me read you one more scripture. Just in light of everything I've been saying, the end of Hebrews chapter 13, and there are 13 chapters in Hebrews. Verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, whom be glory forever and ever. Make you complete. You're complete in him. You're complete as you become like him. Lord, we thank you that this represents your body broken for us. How can we not praise you? We take it. Remembering what you've done and the covenant that we have in your name. that this cup represents your blood, the blood of the new covenant we've redeemed to know you and to become like you. We receive it with gratitude in your name. Tim continues to play in the background. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head again, close your eyes, just so you're not distracted. Because I felt like God spoke something else to me. Happened to be early, early hours of the morning Saturday. And I felt he said, for us as a church, but for us as individuals, he said, it's time. It's time. It's time. I don't know what that all means to everyone. I don't know what that means to you. But I want to say, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, it's time. He's saying it's time. If you've been kind of standing 
with one foot in either camp, a little bit in the church, a little bit in the world. He's loving, he's gracious, but he's saying to you today, it's time. Time to dedicate yourself completely to him. I felt he said for someone here, it's time to step up to what he's called you to. You've gotten sidetracked, you've gotten hurt, whatever the purpose, whatever has happened, he's saying it's time. No more excuses, it's time. Maybe you've gotten hurt because you weren't running in your lane. You were trying to, to fulfill someone else's function. And he wants to set you free from that. But he's saying it's time. And then for the rest of us, he's saying this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say that to yourself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. We're the light that the world needs. It's shaking, it's hopeless. We are the anointed who are now representing Jesus by the power of his spirit to a lost world. Let that settle in your heart. And if you would, stand with me. We're going to finish the, the rest of this song. If you haven't met Jesus, I'm going to invite you to, to come to the front. There'll be some people who'd love to introduce you. If there's something of God's stirring and you want someone to pray with you, there'll be some people who'd love to pray. But more than anything, let's allow the enlargement in vision and in spirit to begin to impact every other aspect of our life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He wants to break into every area of the world. When He said, go into all the world to preach the gospel, I used to think that was all the nations. We've gone to a number of nations. But this week I've realized God said that it's more than just nations. It's actually penetrating every aspect of society. And the only way that can happen is with a kingdom of priests who are reflecting Jesus and filled with his spirit, who are partnering with him to see his kingdom penetrate. My mind was blown. But it's all just about him. Okay? Let's just sing this to finish today. <laughs>